Good morning, everyone. You are listening to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ, and I am your teacher of the mysteries and preacher of the heart, Marty Leeds. We are coming live from Beecher, Wisconsin, and I am your Beecher preacher. Thank you all for being here uh, this morning. We do service every Sunday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, as you guys know. 
Um, and uh, we're going to do things a little bit different moving forward. I'm actually going to uh, read all the super chats and all the thank yous and do everything at the end. So anybody that does uh, send a super chat during the live stream and that sort of stuff, I'll read everything at the end. So if anybody has any questions, I'll take care of those at the end and we'll read all the thank yous and, and all of that sort of stuff. So we'll launch right into it. So, um, so yeah, if you have any questions moving forward, uh, the lovely, my lovely wife, Jennifer, will be reading them or uh, collecting them and then we'll take care of it um, at the very end. So thank you all for being here this morning. I really appreciate it. Let's start out with a prayer. Glory be to thee, proprietor. Glory be to thee, undying one. Glory be to thee, king of peace. Glory be to thee, who was not born. Glory be to thee, the incorruptible. Glory be to thee, king of glory. Glory be to thee, the head of the universe. Glory be to thee, holy and perfect one. Glory be to thee, thou treasury of glory. Glory be to thee, thou true light. Glory be to thee, deliverer of the universe. Glory be to thee, thou who art indeed the good one. Glory be to thee, alpha of the universe. Glory be to thee, life of the universe. O sweet name, O thou who art at the head of the universe, O thou beginning and end of everything. Amen. So, ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to do, uh, this is uh, number 54 of the Sunday services. This is Matthew chapter 5. Uh, we're going to talk about purification, alchemical spiritual purification. That's really what alchemy is all about, is a method of spiritual purification. And we're going to talk a little bit about like hell today, actually. We're going to get into that, and we're going to talk about salt, sulfur, and mercury. Um, so today, what we're going to be reading is from chapter 5. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe two, three weeks ago, we did chapter 4, so we're just going to move on. And in chapter 5, I don't know if you guys hear, if you guys have a copy of your the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ Bibles, you can actually see Matthew chapter 5 is pretty much all Jesus speaking. So it starts here, there's a couple sentences before that, and then the rest of it's all red letter. It's all Jesus speaking, so all the way up to here, so ooh, right there. So that's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be picking apart the words of Jesus and trying to understand what he has to tell us. So um, let's do it. Let's begin. Matthew chapter 5. Number one, and seeing the multitudes, Jesus, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth, comma, and taught them, comma, saying. Okay, so before we get on, let's first talk about, number one, when we deal with um, astrotheology, when we, when we recognize that we're dealing with, dealing with an astrotheological book, immediately we can make a correlation to the stars, and it's one that we'll actually revisit well, in Jesus, what Jesus is telling us here. So wh where, where is Jesus right now? If you've been following along, if you have copies of the books and things like that, we know where the mountain is. We know where the celestial mountain is. It's in the center of our cosmos. And at the top of that mountain is a great star, and that star is Polaris. And that's where Jesus was dragged up, drug up by Draco, the devil, to the top. And he was offered all the things of the world. And of course, the offer, of course, he was the father of lies that was offering everything to him. So he was like, no. Okay, so we already know where we are in this story. Where we, we, we already know where Jesus is speaking and who he's speaking to. The multitudes, which means many, many people. And he's at the top of the mountain. And he's, his voice is going to go out and literally go across the cosmos, across the world. This is what is being said here. And it'll actually verify this within not only the next sentence, but also the math within the next sentence. So, and seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up into the mountain. He went to the celestial top of the mountain, to the pole star. And he sat down and his disciples came out to him. And he spoke to all his disciples and multitudes. And then verse two says this, and he opened his mouth, comma, and taught them saying, 
Why, why would it be necessary for the Bible to tell us that Jesus is opening his mouth in order to speak? Wouldn't it be, you know, the, the most common thing in the world to recognize that if someone's speaking that they're opening their mouth? Why does the Bible tell you here that he opened his mouth? Do I need to tell you guys, I'm about to tell you, I'm about to explain this verse, and I opened my mouth saying this, <laughs> right? This is scriptural clues. These are clues within scripture itself that allow you to understand that there's something greater going on, that there's a bigger message that's being revealed here. Now, mind you, these two verses are in black. Um, if you see again, these two verses, chapter 5, are in black. So the first two lines are black. Then the rest is Jesus speaking. So, you know, something significant is happening here. So, and he opened his mouth. Well, once again, we don't need to know that if he's opened his mouth, if he's speaking, like, duh, right? Well, why does it say that he opened his mouth? Well, because they're referencing something very mystical here. The, the Hebrew letter pi or pay, it means mouth. So in other words, the Hebrew letter P, which is pay, pi, means mouth, is used in much the same fashion as the English word mouth, is the organ with which to eat and drink and, of course, speak and, you know, breathe and that sort of stuff. Pi is usually assumed to come from the pictogram of a mouth, Okay. So what's, what's being said here? Jesus is going up to the top of the mountain, going to the pole star, literally speaking to the entire cosmos, and he is about to reverberate out of the very essence of him truth because he is the word of God. And what does it mean by the word of God? So when we say the word of God, what are we saying? Well, in the very beginning, what happened? God said, let there be light. God opened his mouth and all of creation uttered out from it, emanated out from the very essence of God himself. When God opened his mouth and said, let there be light, like this this is the word and what was that when we understood when we talked about jesus draco taking jesus up to the top of the mountain uh last a couple of live streams ago and we said well you know what does jesus live off of right he lives off of every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of god and what did we establish that every word proceedeth out of the mouth of god is truth 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 so god is speaking unadulterated 100 pure truth and jesus has opened his pie his mouth, and taught this truth. When we look at, if you guys have copies of the books and things like that, what we do is exhaustively go over how the names of God in multiple different languages, Hebrew, Greek, English, all encode within different ciphers that are attached to those languages, the pi, the mathematical constant of pi. Elohim encodes it, Shaddai encodes it, Shaddai equals 314, Elohim is an anagram for pi, 31415, uh, the name of God, uh, Christ in Greek encodes pi, 3142, of course seven, this entire cipher is based on pi, as you guys know. So it says here he opened his mouth, he opened his pi and spoke utter truth. The word is something that's known across the world, and it's something we covered, um, covered in the books and things like that. Um, the word is a concept that's recognized across the word of the world. <laughs> the Egyptian book of the dead are going forth by day says this about the sun god Ra. I am the eternal. I am Ra. I am that which created the word. I am the word. It was Egyptian. Um, the Hindu, the Aum considered the first manifestation of the unrevealed Brahman or the cosmic creator and is considered the supreme god of the gods. Brahman's power was only made manifest after the enunciation of this great word. In one translation of the Rig Veda, which is the oldest collection of poems or hymns composed in archaic Sanskrit, the following is revealed. In the beginning was Brahman, with whom was the Word, and the Word was truly the supreme Brahman. Here's Hermes Mercurius Trismegistus. Therion, out of light, a holy word, Logos, descended on that nature. 
and upwards to the height from the moist nature leapt forth, leapt forth, leaped forth, excuse me, pure fire, light was it, swift and active too. So down to earth he sent the cosmos of this frame divine man, a life that cannot die and yet a life that dies. So when we say uh, in the beginning, let there be light, this is, what's, this is what they mean by the word. God spoke the word. The word is the, you know, the emanation um, from the essence of God himself. Now, these first two lines are in black, and it says, He opened his mouth and taught them, saying. So this is, this is Matthew chapter 5, 2. And there's a direct reference to pi in the scripture, if you just you know, know Hebrew a little bit, right? Um, which is kind of necessary if you're going to read the Bible. So, and he opened his mouth. He this is a reference to pi. Well, why is this interesting? Because if you do the gematria value of that verse with the cipher that's based on pi, do you know what you get? And he opened his mouth and taught them saying, this equals 157. So it's like, okay, so what, right? Well, 157 times two is 314. So in the very verse that they're saying pi, they give you half of pi. They give you a number that you could relate to half a pi. Now, okay, well, so that's just half a pi, but why is that significant? Well, because half of this, in other words, if you did the whole circumference of this, right, being three, three, 314, 314 as a reference to pi, half of that would be what? 157. Well, what's half of that circle? It's 180 degrees. It's pretty, it's pretty basic, basic math. Um, and this is why we continue to talk about the power of the Trinity, right? So, so in that verse, it's giving you mathematics specifically to tell you about pi, half of pi, and 180 degrees. Speaking, saying this is truth. This is the word from the mouth, pi. Then it even gives you a reference to pi in the verse itself. Another verse, so this equals 157, right? So this verse equals 157. And he opened his pie and taught them saying, half of pie, <laughs> apparently. And that equals 180 degrees. And there's your 180 degrees. There's your 180 degrees all over. You know what else equals 157 in English gematria? Uh, another verse, Matthew 10.30. And you can, you can look this up. You can do the math yourself. But, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. God's saying his design is so perfect that when he made it, he even numbered the very hairs of your head, which mine are zero, but so it was easy math for God. But so you just got, so you guys know. So there's pi reference in the first, the second verse right there. So then it goes on to say this, uh, Matthew chapter five, three, four, five here. Let's just cover these three. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So immediately, a lot of people will read these things, and this will really catch people because a lot of a lot of people think that you know they see this and they're like, "Wait a second, is this like is is this are we supposed to be Christ cucks here or something like that? We're just supposed you know meek. We're supposed to be submissive, and we're supposed to cry and mourn a lot. And that's that's what people gather from these verses a lot of times, right? This is the conclusion it'll come to. Oh, Christ apparently wants us to be meek, and you know that's right, submissive and stuff like that to other men. And this is the you know this. This is what happens, you know, when people that do not study the Bible read the Bible and then try to understand the Bible. It's it's a huge issue. No, when when God says, when when Jesus here is speaking, 
and he says, um, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are the meek. What does meek mean? Meek means uh, quiet, gentle, and easily imposed on. Submissive. That's essentially what meek means. Submissive. Well, this is Jesus speaking truth, right? And so people take this verse and they're like, oh, Jesus is a weak ass. He wants us to be submissive to other men and stuff like that. This is not what he's saying at all. This is why context is so important. He's saying meek before God. Quiet, gentle, submissive to God. Not man. I don't know how anybody could possibly read that verse and say somehow that this means Jesus. It means, well, be submissive to other men. No, this is the, this is the word speaking. Pie, God, wall, right? This whole thing. So, meek before God, submissive to God, not to man. The meek shall inherit, this is where this phrase comes from, but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace, right? This is Psalms 37, 11. What does it mean to inherit? You're, in, you're going to inherit the earth, the meek. The people who are submissive to God will inherit the earth. What does inherit mean? Inherit means to receive money at the, as, the, as an heir at the death of a previous holder. Or similar, it also means derive uh, genetically from one parents or ancestors. So you're going to derive something. You're going to inherit something genetically from one parents or ancestors. Who's your parent? That's the Father in heaven. You're going to receive or be left with a situation from a predecessor, former owner. Okay. So what is what is being said here? The meek shall inherit the earth. It's so important to understand context. Context, context, context when you read the Bible. It is important to place scripture in the proper context. If you just take this out of the context and you look at it and be like, oh, God wants you to be weak and submissive. No, 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 no. Uh, you know, if you put it in the proper context, therefore the meaning of an individual portion of a text, this is what proper context means, must be understood in relation to the work as a whole. So there's no way that you could just read that and be like, oh, God wants you to be submissive and weak. When God, you know, Jesus himself went in with a whip and upturned tables with money changers in a temple. Do you think he was being submissive here? No, of course not. I mean, look at the women on the left there. They look freaked out. This is the, this is the word here, right? And he's, he's walking into a temple and just raising all hell, right? This is anything but submissive. Right? No. What they're saying is be meek before God. This is what Islam means. Islam means submission to God. That's exactly what you, what you are to be. You're to be submissive of your creator. Because, you know what, once again, you know, uh, what, what is that creator? Pure love. As we covered when we talk about Paul as a prisoner, he's, he's submitting to God. Why? Because he knows it's it, it's uh, an unconditional and un you know the the most forgiving and merciful love that's ever existed or could exist, and he wants to submit to that. This is what Jesus is saying. You will inherit the earth. You will be given the earth. Wait a second. The meek shall inherit the earth. Do you know why you will be given the earth? Because you'll be reunified with God. And who owns the earth? God. You know, when, when the devil came up and was lying to Jesus, like, you can have everything. You know why Jesus said no? Because he knows if, like, oh, if I just do what God wants me to do, I'll have it anyway. It's literally the next chapter. And he opened his mouth, a reference to pi, and taught them, saying, with the mathematics of that verse, a reference to pi, 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We'll get back to that. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. We'll get back to that. Blessed are the meek, for they shall be gifted the entirety of everything. Blessed are those that are submissive to God. Blessed are they that mourn. Why are you mourning? Because you see, you, you know, it's like that, that's like that Egyptian thing when uh, there was like two tears that fell from the, from God, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but like one tear was for the happiness of, and the joy of the beauty that, that God created and the other tear was for the suffering. Why are you mourning? Because you're compassionate, because you have feeling in your heart and you can see the suffering and you care about it. You don't just ignore it. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You will be given the ki- just as it's just as we were saying, like you you'll ha- you'll inherit the whole thing. Yours will be the kingdom of heaven. Yours. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Why are they poor? Because they spent everything. They used it all up. They used up every ounce of spirit that God gave them. It's like this. It's you ever hear this? It's the Irma Bombeck thing. It's when I stand before God at the end of my life. I would hope that I would not have a single bit of talent left and could say I used everything you gave me. Why is he poor in spirit? Because you spent it all while you were here. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. That's why we want to be submissive. That's why we want to be meek. Okay? So this is what's being said here. It's actually a very beautiful thing. And one of the other verses, I think it's in Luke, it actually, it doesn't even say poor in spirit. It just says poor. Well, why would it say that? Is it God wants you to be like impoverished? No, it means you're not a materialist. It means that you're not living for the temporary and the impermanent. Once again, what did Jesus, what was his sustenance off of? Truth. He lived for truth. He lives off every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And that's what you're to do. And this is his message. We were just shown what the devil offered him. And now Jesus is going to say, conquered that guy. Now here's what I'm telling you. Okay? So, um, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. You're blessed if you hunger and thirst. Once again, every I subsist off every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's my sustenance. That's what I live off. What is every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God? Pure truth, pure light, pure love. That's what I live for. I hunger for it. I thirst for it. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Of course, be merciful. Not that difficult a thing. Even, even to, once again, your enemies. Even to, even to people that you do hate and that sort of thing. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It doesn't say blessed are the pure in mind and blessed are the pure, the pure physical vessel. But no, it doesn't say anything like that. You purify the heart, the center, the rest will be purified. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. If you're a child of God, right? If you're, 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 your father is the eternal. So if you want to get to eternality, what do you want to do here? Do everything in your power to seek peace. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How many people out there that speak truth nowadays are persecuted, they're banned, they're you know, taken off platforms, that sort of stuff. They're, they're, uh, you know, their, their PayPals are taken away, they're this and that, all that sort of stuff is taken away. Those people that are standing up right now, what Jesus is saying that, oh, you're being persecuted for righteousness sake because what you're doing is righteous and you're going to be persecuted your entire time down here 
and because you stood up for what's good, true, and right against all the odds, you will get the heaven. The people that capitulated and cocked and said, well, I guess, no. Doesn't work that way. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say shall all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. People will, you'll stand up, say truth, say, speak light into the world. And I know this very well. You will be reviled, persecuted, ignored, cast aside, made a joke of, laughed off, not supported, the whole bit, right? And then people will leave it. And then uh, the, the, even claim that evil, I, grifter, I was told. I was told recently I was a grifter. <laughs> yeah, you know me because I want my leather interior in my outhouse. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. You live this life, right? It's a life of joy because you know what? Your reward is in heaven. For so persecuted they, the prophets, were, which were before you. Same story. Nothing new under the sun. This has happened again and 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 again. Liars come down, fill the world, you know, people that work on behalf of Draco, people that work on behalf of the old serpent, the devil. You know, they'll come down and do everything in their power to fill your head full of nonsense and lies and your, you know, it was spiritual corruption and spell binding and spell craft and the whole bit. And you will be persecuted just as they were in the past. And that will be a sign that you're doing something right. The flack is greatest when you're over the site, that sort of thing. Jesus is saying, oh, don't, don't worry. You're, you, if you follow what I'm saying, you're going to get pure, unadulterated truth and you're going to be hated for it. Stand tall and rejoice. Chapter 5, 13 We'll come back to this. We'll come back to this. Ye are this. Then it's. Then he says this. The most cryptic thing that he said thus far. Everything thus far is pretty straightforward. Pretty straightforward. You gotta. You know. You gotta read into it. That sort of thing. You have to do your word study and that sort of thing. But then he gets to this line, and it's like, what in the world are you talking about, Jesus? Ye are the salt of the earth. Colon. But if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. I'm going to read this once more. We're going to move on and we'll come back to this, okay? Ye are the salt of the earth. What? But if the salt has lost, have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Is there anybody out there that you've ever met any religious leader, any theologian, anybody that's ever made sense of that to you, ever? Or you could be like, yeah, that makes sense. Ever? I've been 44 years now, and I've been exposed to this stuff for a long time. Grew up in Wisconsin, all around, all sorts of religious people and Christians and that sort of stuff, and no one has ever made a lick of sense of what that means. Not even close. Well, I'm going to do my best to try to make sense of it for you today. We'll get back to that. 14, ye are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Period. Good. Good to know. So we're, so, are we, so are we supposed to feel guilty 
and constantly, you know, uh, <laughs> constantly in this state of, you know, hating ourselves and thinking that we're nothing because we're fallen from God and blah, 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 blah. Well, that's not what Jesus' message is. Jesus is saying, you are literally the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. We'll get back to that whole thing, okay? Now, what do you think the city, the light of the world, what, what do you think a city that is set on a hill? What is the hill, the mountain? There's a city. Polis means city. What is that? What is he talking about? The pole star, okay? Can't, cannot be hid. We'll get back to that. Now it says this, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, 15, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. We talked about this actually a couple live streams ago. Somebody asked me about, um, I, f I forget what his name is. I want to say Doug or something like that. I can't remember his name and I apologize for that. But we talked about the fact that he was like, he was excited and he had, you know, basically come into this knowledge that he's like, oh, I believe in God and I, you know, I understand that there's a God and I could see that this thing is created and this gives me purpose and all this other stuff. And you could tell he was just fired up in spirit. Like he couldn't control it. And I told him, I'm like, okay, now that you got that, you don't burn down forests, right? You got the spirit, you got the flame, let it shine before all men, but you got to do it right, okay? Don't go light that, you know, your flame under a bushel and just burn everything down. That's not going to help anything. You have, an, you have the responsibility now to go and light the candles. And this is what he's saying, so that all men can see it. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, Right? Bushel, well, number one, you're not going to see the candle, but it's hidden away. But number two, what's it going to do? It's going to burn that bushel, and then now you got a fire you got to deal with. No, but you put it on a candlestick. You put it, that light in its proper place and give it to all that are in the house so all, all people can see your good works. Let your light shine, so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, once again, you have to understand this in, in context, too. That doesn't mean that you, you have to go out and, you know, constantly prove and show your piety to everybody. It's like, look, I'm a man of God. Look, I'm a man of God. No, you just, you just show that you're a man of God by your works, by your actions, by what you do. You don't have to go out and be like, oh, I'm a, I'm a minister of the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord. No. I'll just live a life in which I've been had full of integrity, dignity, honesty, being 1,000% genuine, working my tail off, and I'll prove it not to you, but to God. I'll show it to Him. That's what we do here in this church. We light candles and put it on the freaking candlestick. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets, Jesus says in 17. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. This, you know, he's, he's saying this too, because when he shows up, there's a lot of people that assumed, as we know from reading previously, there was a lot of people that assumed that they were going to be getting into heaven. They're like, I'm of the children of Abraham, and I'm a Pharisee and the scribes and stuff. I've, I've got the law, remember? I wrote it all down and I was doing this for a long time and I was in the book and I was here. So I'm getting into heaven, even though I was a dick bag and I was full of, you know, you know, usury and lying to people and thinking I'm better than everybody else, but I have the law. And then he shows up and he's like, well, actually, I'm fulfilling the law right now and it don't look good for you guys. 
He's nothing. No, he's basically just saying that I am fulfilling that prophecy right now, and I'm fulfilling the law, and that law is love. It actually, by fulfilling this law, I'll say this, you know, there's a lot to be discussed here, but fulfilling this law is actually upturning a lot of things, okay? I'll just leave it at that. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, which is talking about a world age. That's what he's talking about, a world age. It even says in the Bible that um, the, the, there should be a new heavens and a new earth, but the earth shall remain forever. That's what it says. There'll be a new heavens and a new earth. And it repeats that in the New Testament too. This is Old Testy stuff. It says, there'll be a new heavens and a new earth, right? Which means there'll be a different world age, but the earth shall remain forever. That's what it says. Look it up. So, um, so people that think that there's like that revelation is some document revealing the end of the earth forever, you have literally no idea what you're talking about, <laughs> okay? And yet that's the common, that's essentially, if you went across the world, people would say, yeah, that's what revelation is about, the end of the world, the end of the, end of the earth, the end of the earth, like literally materiality kind of thing. No, no, that's not what it means at all, but that's okay. So uh, 18 says, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall be in no wise passed from the law till all fulfilled. That means there's not going to be any, <clears throat> no I's that will be not dotted and no T's that will not be crossed. We're going to make sure that all of that's in place, right? One jot and a tittle. A jot and a tittle is, um, it says one jot and one tittle or a tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. A jot is defined as the name of the least letter of an alphabet or the smallest part of a piece of writing. So when you look at original Hebrew, they, you know, they have this diacritical marks, I think is what they're called. And that's what it's referenced to. It's like, oh, all of those things that you were so possessed with, right? It was like, oh, I've got the law and I've got it. And I'm writing it down and I'm the scribe and I've got my ancestors and they told me how to scribe and I'm going to scribe and I got all the little diacritic marks and everything and I'm following it. He's saying... Uh, yeah, you, you're not, you know, in this sense, you're not getting into heaven and we will be fulfilling all that stuff that you were reading. And then I always say, you know, if, if Jesus is not going to miss one jot or tittle, neither should we. Okay. So, um, I want to make sure I didn't. And we'll, like I said, we'll get back to the, the salt of the earth here in just a bit. Um, this is, let's see. Matthew 5.20, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, like we were just talking about, ye shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. You got to supersede what they're doing. It's that simple. And he's even telling you, oh, and all that law that you were following with all those diacritical marks and making sure everything is, every letter is perfect and blah, 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 blah. And then we even hear further in the New Testament, guess what? It's not about the letter, it's about the spirit. Duh, because this is a book. This is a book. That's what it is. This is the living presence of God. This is a book. Book of life. Book. Gotcha. Ye have heard that it was said of them of old time, the old testy, thou shall not kill. And whosoever shall kill be in danger of the judgment. But Jesus says, that's not enough. Yes, killing is an action. If you go kill, the Old Testament says, oh, do not kill. Okay, cool. But that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause, 
Does it say that you cannot be angry with your brother or not? No, no, no. You can be angry. That's fine. That's not what he's saying. But if you're angry with somebody without a cause, okay, you shall be in danger of the judgment, okay? Why? What is what is Jesus doing right now? He is, he is um, linking the internal and the external. That's what he's doing. He's saying it's not just what you do in actions. It's also what you do in here. So if you're in here and you're a chaotic, freaking massive human being and you're full of hate and you got hate in your heart and stuff like that, but you play nice externally in the world. You do the PC social thing and, you know, it's like, oh, he's such a nice guy. He's always nice to me, but when he gets home, he's such a dick and inside. Jesus is like, God sees all of that. You can't hide that, okay? So this is what he's saying. It absolutely matters what you think in here, what your heart actually says. You may go around and play the part in society. Great. God sees through all of it. 100%. Did you think he didn't? Okay. So, and whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever to say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the, the, of the council, which Raka basically just means empty-headed. And once again, without cause, this is, he's starting the whole thing saying, hey, without cause, right? So once again, there's nothing wrong with being like, look, you're, you're being an idiot here or something like that, especially if that person is being an idiot and, and actually endangering people. Then it's like, what are you going to say? Oh, well, Jesus said to just let it be. No, that's not what is being said here at all. It's saying, though, that, hey, are, why, you know, if you're going to call somebody out, are you doing it to correct them, to teach to elevate the situation, or are you doing it for to to feel uh, superior to somebody? If you're on the web, right, and you see like the critics and stuff like that, and people that are making videos and all this sort of stuff, what are they doing? Are they doing that to criticize worldviews and belief systems and things like that? No, they're doing it because they want a sense of superiority. Jesus is like, good luck, man. Raka, empty-headed. Whosoever shall and whosoever shall say to his brother, empty-headedness, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. And we're going to talk about hellfire in just a second here, right? We're going to talk about hell, the concept of hell, and then we'll get into a little alchemy here. Um. You know, once again, basically what he's saying here is you can't separate your internal world from your external world. Okay? Like, yes, it's, you know, if you're going to kill somebody, you know, with, 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 save for self-defense and things like that, of course. It's not like it's not like he's going to go into the particulars here, right? It's like it's like people listen to the words of Jesus and then they go to try, you know, try to find like, anyway, I don't want to get into that, but... Um, it just matters what goes on in here because God sees all of that, okay? Now, this is this is one I think is is uh, just fantastic. Um, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there, while you're at the altar, you're there, oh, oh God, here, here's the gift. Altar, what does it mean to alter? You're at an altar, what does it mean to alter? What's the difference between A-L-T-A-R and A-L-T-E-R? What are you here to do? Alter yourself, right? Cleanse the self, purification of the self, okay? Therefore, if you bring a gift to the altar to God, here, God, 
And while you're there, you remember that your brother was like, oh, and then, oh, that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy, uh, you know, Bobby, he was such a dick to me, blah, 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 blah. And you're at the altar. God's like, oh, don't do that. Don't do that, right? Leave there the gift before the altar and go thy way. First, you go and reconcile to your brother. Then come with yourself clean, with none of this baggage or all this stuff in your head and stuff like that. Then come and worship me because I want to see purity. That's what God wants to see. If you go to the altar to worship God and you're like, yeah, F, F that guy, that sort of thing. God's going to be like, dude, you got to take care of that shit before you show up. You have to take care of it. You. First off, I've already forgiven you. You got to forgive yourself. And then the person that you wronged or the person that you had an issue with, you have to go ask forgiveness for them. They might not forgive you, but you have to ask forgiveness. You have to forgive yourself. You have to ask forgiveness. And you have to ask forgiveness for God, which he's already forgiven you. Don't come to worship God and be like, here's the gifts because the greatest gift you could give God would be your own spiritual purity. And that's what this is this is all about. This is what this is what Jesus is basically saying right now. Purify them purify yourself, okay? Um I actually had this recently, um not recently, this was actually a while back, but and it was I, I I did this before I was even Anyway, I don't need to get into that. But there's a guy, Brandon, uh was known, known as the Big Sib. I don't know if you guys know this guy. Um Great man. Great man, right? Um, the first time I had an interaction with him, I was a total dick to him. <laughs> I was like a total dick. I was like cursing and all this other stuff. And in my defense, not that I should not that I should be defending myself. I'm not. I've had a terrible week. Not this is not a defense. This is one hundred percent my fault. I'm not making any excuse whatsoever here. But <laughs> I had this terrible week and I was two actually two weeks and I was because I had seen so many people online constantly just being absolute children and dicks and you know no patience and all this other stuff and then I ended up rolling onto a telegram channel and I, th I assumed I was seeing the same thing and I wasn't this was my my bad right it was a situation that I injected myself in and assumed a lot of things and I shouldn't because you know what happens when you assume you make an ass out of you and me you get it anyway so I was wrong so I sent him a message on telegram I was like dude I was wrong about you know, I apologize right I didn't think that was good enough though I really didn't because I was like, yeah, he received it, but I don't think he actually received it. You know what I mean? So I recently sent him another message and I said, hey, Brandon, I just want to reach out. Do you guys know Big Sib? He does a lot with law, that sort of thing. He's 1,000% a stand-up guy, you know? It's kind of the guy you'd want in the foxhole, you know what I mean? Brandon, I just want to reach out and say that I apologize for our first interaction entirely on me and want you to know that I find you to be one of the most stand-up guys I have ever encountered on the web. <laughs> I pretty much detest when people try to do biblical analysis because as you can see with what we're doing here, if you try to go to pretty much any other channel, it's just terrible. As I'm never impressed with it, but I find so much of what you have to offer as extremely heartfelt, honest, and insightful. So thank you, brother. May God be with you always and carry on with the full armor of God. God bless. So, yeah, um, anyway, like, it's, he's, he's actually does, you know, he doesn't get into, like, the esoteric and that sort of stuff as much. But his grasp of the, the central, like, spiritual notion of the ideas is really spot on. I, th I think he has a lot of really great, great things to say. So if you get a chance, go over and um, the, he actually just had one of his Bible studies deleted on YouTube.
So, <laughs> so if you get a chance, go over, check it out. He does, I think he does pretty damn good Bible studies. I really, really do. So, um, go over there, show him some love and tell him Marty sent you. All right. Next Matthew five twenty five. agree with thine. Let me stop this. The point is this, like I can't go to my grave knowing that I was shitty to such a good person. I got to clean that. You got to purify it. Then go to God. Considering you don't know when you're going to die and when you're going to God, when should you do that purification process? How about right now? How about this one? This sounds more Christ cucky, doesn't it? No, you have to read this, the context of it. Agree with thine adversary quickly whilst thou art in the way with him semicolon. So if you read this, as a lot of people read this, agree with your adversary. What? Oh, no, 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 no. There's more to the sentence there. Whilst thou art in the way with him. The way is what, as we know, what? The Tao, right? It's the way. It's the, it's the, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. It's the ever, you know, um, it's the, um, the, essentially the, the flow of the mechanics of the structure of the entire universe thing, right? It's just this flow of God, the way, the Tao, that sort of thing. When you, if you have an adversary, when you're in that flow with them, when you're in agreement, agree quickly and get the hell out of there. Because that adversary is ultimately going to do what? It's going to try to harangue you, trap you, imprison you, that sort of thing. And that's exactly what Jesus says. So in other words, while you can you know, while you're in agreement, agree and then get the hell out of there and let him deal with what he's got to deal with. Lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge and the judge deliver thee to the officer and thou be cast into a prison. <sighs> you mean just like Jesus, right? I'll get into that. Verily I say unto you, thou shall by no means come out of that prison until you paid everything, right? You're going to get screwed, in other words, is what Jesus is saying. Why? Because we already know, um, you know, we already know what happened to Jesus, right? He was brought into the courts, not guilty, brought before Herod, you know, and didn't he pleaded the fifth is what he did. Brought before Pontius Pilate, pleaded the fifth. And what ended up happening to Jesus anyway? We all know he got hung on that cross. Didn't matter what the court said. Didn't matter what the judges were, uh, the judge on earth, because there is no actual judge on earth. There is only the judge. And any man that actually recognizes God Almighty knows that that's true. Okay? So he's saying, look, agree with, agree with your adversary while you're in the way with him, while you're in agreement, and then get out of there. Because guess what? There's no justice in man's justice system. And Jesus will prove that out to you in his story. let's go this. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, ah, the old testy, right? Thou shall not commit adultery. Don't cheat on your wife. Don't cheat on your husband. Okay? But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Again, what is Jesus saying? He's, he's, he's making one the internal and external world. Okay? He's saying, if you think about it, it's like, oh, you know, oh, I can't. Oh, I would love to just get on that woman. Whoa, like that sort of thing. It's like you're committing adultery. But no, I didn't actually do it. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Imagine, guys, if you're, you're like, uh, if if you 
could actually get into your wife's head and you found out that your wife was, as you were walking through the mall, was like, oh, I'd really love to go down in there. You'd be like, and, and you heard that in her head. Would you not freak the heck out? Would you be like, oh my Lord. It's just as good. That's just what Jesus is saying. It's not just good enough what you do out here. It ha- it's The spiritual world is in here. So if you're sitting there watching porn or lusting after another woman and you and you have your wife, you might as well just go and stick your... I'm going to be a little um, politically correct here today. Rated G for most audiences. <clears throat> I, you know, I, fantastic advice, huh? <laughs> what is he talking about too? Purification. Be pure in here. It's not just good enough to be pure outside. Because outside is what pe- men see. It's what people see. Ooh, God sees it all. Um, let's take a moment. It is 9.49. And let's do... We're going to pass the hat around. So I want to thank anybody that... Um, uh, we're going to pass the hat around. So if you would like to support the work that we do here, the fine work that we do at the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ, you can become a member. You can uh, you can uh, donate through Cash App or Buy Me a Coffee. That's right there on the screen, Gnostic Academy. Or you can go to GnosticAcademy.org and throw a donation that way. We've got books to buy and Bible packages and all sorts of things. My wife makes beautiful rosaries. We actually just got a bunch of compliments on the rosaries. So, And uh, yeah, and so... Thank you all for being here. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate it. All right, let's move on. We're going to get into some good stuff moving forward here. Not that it hasn't been good thus far. At least I have, but I think so, but I'm biased. All right, so you look on a woman and you lust after her in your heart. You lust after her. You might as well have just gone and done the physical action is what Jesus is saying. Okay. Now, this is where this is where we get into Jesus speaking clearly, metaphorically, poetically, symbolically, right? It, this is, you know, that once again, when we realize that it's like, okay, uh, this is clearly not meant to be literal, right? Does Jesus really want to pluck an eye out or cut off an arm, right? No, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. So what does Jesus mean by the next few sentences? Matthew 5, 29. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out, take a spoon and literally, poof. it's like, what? Jesus, you savage. And cast it from thee, literally, you know. For it is profitable for thee, you will profit if one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body shall be cast into hell. We're going to talk about hell here in just a bit here, okay? Then it goes on to say thee, if the right eye, or if the right hand offend thee, just cut it off, take a mallet, or take a, take a big knife, cut it off, and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of the members should perish, and not that thy whole body shall be cast into hell. And we're going to talk about hell here, okay? And then we'll get on to the rest of the divorcement and stuff like that. What is Jesus talking about here? Obviously, he's saying, he's speaking in high poetic language here. He's not literally telling you to cut your hand off or, or spoon out an eye, okay? That's ridiculous, all right? Otherwise, I wouldn't be listening to Jesus if he literally meant that. We're like, what's your problem, dude? Okay? What is he talking about here? Purification. Okay, he's talking about, and this is what alchemy is all about. This is what any spiritual process is all about. Alchemy is just a word for this spiritual process, right? It's the removal of contaminants from something. The process of extracting something from a substance, the process of making something spiritually or ceremonially clean, okay? 
That's what he's saying. He's saying right now, you, your whole process, Jesus is saying, purify yourself. Purify yourself, and then when you get to that altar and give the, you know, you know, give the gifts to God, that sort of thing, you want to be a completely pure, pristine, crystalline clear vessel. Okay? You got to take care of all the stuff you needed to take care of down here before you get there. Okay? Purify yourself. And this is the language he's using right now. Right? Because if any little bit of your body is, oh, I got this little, and my little phalange, the pinky right there. Oh, that's just full of a bunch of crap and defecation and nonsense and sinning and lies and stuff like that. But it's just my little pinky. That's it. Maybe God won't see that when I go up to talk to him. <laughs> Jesus is saying, cut that off. Get rid of it. Otherwise, that you will have to answer, your whole spiritual body will have to answer to that little thing that you wanted to forget about. That's what he's saying. Okay? So, he is talking about 100% pure purification of your soul. Pure purification of your spirit. You must be alchemically purified in order to get into heaven. And if you're not, if you have even a little bit of this mess in you, right? This little, oh, I got this little, like, uh, it's, just a, it's just a soapy layer of uh, sin. It's almost all the way off, but it's just on my left shoulder here. The whole body goes in. That's what he's saying. Now, it says he goes into hell. Now, there's a, there's a huge problem. Uh, let me take a minute here. You know, growing up and, you know, knowing this stuff in the peripherals, right? And then eventually as an older man, you know, or getting into manhood, I guess, or whatever, going back into this stuff and then reading it for myself and using my own critical thinking skills and discernment and years of studying literature and just dedicating myself to this stuff. Then I go and read the Bible and then I'll, you know, I'll pick up the Bible and I'll be like, oh, is this what it actually says? Interesting. Wow, that's what it says. And then you go and you're like, okay. And then you look at what the religions are teaching and you're like, Wait, what? What what are you guys talking about? You guys are believing in a bunch of stuff like eternal damnation and one singular life. And as far as I can tell, it doesn't say that at all. At all. So, when you hear about hell, let's talk about hell a bit. And then this will lead us into alchemy, okay? When you talk about hell, a lot of times you'll have this notion of the lake of fire, Okay. So, um, Lake of Fire is a concept that appears in both ancient Egyptian and Christian religions. Imagine that. There's all of those similarities between Christianity and Egyptology. It's just, it's almost like the Prisca theology. Anyway, in ancient, Egypt's, in ancient Egypt, it appears as an obstacle on the journey through the underworld, which can destroy or refresh the deceased. In Christianity, it is a place of after-death punishment of the wicked, the phrase is used in five verses in the book of Revelation. Concept uh, is analogous to the Jewish Gehenna or the more uh, common concept of what known as hell. Now, it is a, excuse me, a lake of fire. A lake, water, of fire. Well, we know that from our understanding of baptism, that you baptize, you know, baptized through water, baptized through fire, that sort of thing. What, do, what, are, the, what are the qualities of water? Again, it's purification. Why do you take a shower? It's purify yourself. When you burn a forest away, what happens to that forest? Yes, trees burn down, that sort of stuff. But next thing you know, you've got regeneration and, re and growth in that forest. It's, it's, a, it's a brand new forest is what, what ends up happening. It's purified, regenerated. What is water? Purification, you feel renewed. 
So what happens when souls that don't make it here, right? What When they don't make it here, what happens? They go into a lake of fire. Now, most people are like, I'm going to hell, uh, right? That sort of thing. No, you're going to a place in which you didn't take care of your purification and everything here, which means you will go down there, cross the river of forgetting, sometimes it's known as. that. There's a I forget there's another name for the river in Greek myth, but... Cross the river, forgetting, go into the lake of fire. Your your soul, soul body will be purified. And then what happens? Well, according to modern Christianity, that's it. You just end up in a lake of fire for the rest of your life or something. It's like, what? No, that's not what it says at all. No. What actually happens is that you will be reconstituted and regenerated into another body on earth. Like I said, you can't even understand... Um, the, the, uh, Saint John or anything like that without reincarnation. We'll talk about that in just a second. This is where the lake of fire, hell, is mentioned. It's a lake, water, purification, fire, purification. That's why you want to be baptized with water and baptized with fire on earth. So that way you don't have to take care of it over there in the underworld. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. We'll talk about brimstone. This will lead us into alchemy. Where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. It does not say that you or your soul will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's not what it says at all. It says the beast and the false prophet shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Not people that just oh, I I didn't totally alchemically purify myself in the 28 years or 72 years or 100 years that I had here, and I'm going to have to do it again. Oh, I didn't, you know, I had that little pinky that was, you know, a little bit, you know, still sinning, and now I'm going to burn in hell for eternity? No. You go to the lake of fire to purify, purify, and then guess what? Boop! You get popped back on earth. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. You died once to go to hell. You died once, right? I'm not going to get into that. We'll we'll do that when we if we if we do Revelation. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. If you're written in the book of life, you're into the book of life, life eternal. And if not, you're cast in the lake of fire. Why? Because you got to purify. Nothing in here says anything about eternal damnation. Nothing. There's literally nothing. Many Christians claim that the dream verses teach eternal life in hell for most people, but read carefully. Even the dream verses say that only fire burns forever and that the eternal punishment in hell is for Satan, his demons, and people in a future age who choose to worship the beast. If you choose on earth to worship the very thing that's anti-God, right? Are you doing any purification of yourself whatsoever? No. No, you're doing everything on in this life to dirty it up. So nothing here, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but nothing here says anything about you burning for eternity. In fact, once again, when it says that Elias or Elijah is going to announce the Savior, and then St. John shows up and announces the Savior, and yet somehow the prophecy is fulfilled, the only way that that even makes sense is if Elijah and St. John are the same person. St. John was reincarnated.
brimstone, fire and brimstone, a lake of fire with a beast, right? Um, these both cast alive into a lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Brimstone. What does brimstone mean? Brimstone is an archaic term synonymous with sulfur. Evokes the acritic, uh, you know, uh, acrid, excuse me, odor of sulfur dioxide given off by lightning strikes. Lightning was understood as divine punishment by many ancient religions. The association with sulfur with divine retribution is common in the Bible. So this association of divine retribution, synonymous, is common in the Bible. Synonymous, brimstone, synonymous with sulfur. Okay? Well, this gets us into exactly when we talk about alchemy is that, you know, this is salt, sulfur, and mercury, and we'll, we'll describe this. So what Jesus is saying here, and we'll get back into the salt of the earth here. This is where it'll all make sense. Jesus is speaking alchemically, and there's no way you could possibly understand what he's saying unless you've studied alchemy. There's no way to do it. I'm telling you as a guy that has both studied the Bible and studied alchemy for a long time now, a really, really long time now, and I'm here to tell you that there is no, just as I say there's no way you could possibly understand the Bible without understanding the Zodiac, there's no way you could possibly understand the Bible without understanding the Zodiac man, there's no way you could possibly understand the words coming straight out of the mouth of Jesus unless you do a due diligence study in alchemy. Full stop. Period. Okay? Jesus, when he's saying, you're going to burn in hell, right? That, that the whole body shall be cast into hell. And then what's hell? It's a lake of fire and brimstone, sulfur. Jesus right now is speaking at the top of the dome, representative of heaven, eternality. He's speaking to all the multitudes on earth. And then he's telling all the multitudes on earth, hey man, purify yourself here. Otherwise, you're going to be dealing with brimstone down here. Let's go over it one more time. Jesus is upstairs. It's the first thing that they tell us in the verse. I'm at the top of the mountain. And I'm speaking to all the multitudes. And all the multitudes are what? They're on earth. And they're trying to listen to him because they want to get to eternal life. And he's saying, hey, purify yourself on earth here so you don't have to deal with the fire and brimstone below. So you have sulfur below, brimstone, you have earth here, and then you have heaven upstairs. These are the three modes of alchemy. Salt, sulfur, and mercury. <clears throat> Salt is known as the body structure, and it's that's given that symbol right there. Can anybody tell me here, um, I'm not going to look at the chat right now, but um, can anybody tell me here what that symbol on the left means? Anyone? Is that, is that fundamental geometry on the left there? For those of you listening at home, the symbol of salt is a circumference and a diameter. What was the first thing that, one of the first things before Jesus started saying, what did Jesus, what does the Bible tell us? He opened his mouth as if they needed to tell us that. Why? <clears throat> because Jesus is speaking alchemically. We'll get back into this. So there's three, three becoming one. It's a Trinitarian kind of thing. <laughs> These three become one in the sense. There's the salt, which is the body. It's the body on earth. There's the soul es essence of the consciousness, which is the sulfur. This is the thing that you're trying to purify in the sense, right? Purify the soul. Purify the consciousness. Purify the heart. 
on earth so that you can do what? Get to heaven. The spirit of the life force can rise up, reunify, go through that theosis, apotheosis, and get unified with God in eternal life. Okay, This is your triad. The triad it's called the tria prima, which is basically the primes. It's so funny. Those two words are references to math, by the way. Tria meaning three and primes meaning like primes, like number one. Okay. So the, the, the three alchemical primes is what they're noticed. Like mathematical references here. Then they even give you one of the mathematical, the mathematical, the mathematical, what is a representation in math of the word of God. It's not like saying pi is the word of God. No, it's just a representation. But what is it given? Salt. So, you. The salt of the earth, as we'll see. Sulfur is the fluid connecting the high and the low. Sulfur down here, remember, sulfur brimstone, which is what happens in the lake of fire. Dissolution, evaporation, cleansing. Salt, go to the bottom there. That's the base matter. Where are we? The base of literally the material world is earth. Okay, and you're in it, and that's why you are the salt of the earth, as we know. Mercury is the omnipresent spirit of life. Omnipresent means everywhere, right? Spirit of life. This is eternal life. Mercury was believed to transcend the liquid and solid state. So Mercury is a transcendent idea, okay? So here we have, in alchemy, we have below, we have the sulfur, which is the brimstone. This is the below, the sheol, right? Here we have the earth, which is salt, and then above we have mercury. And we'll get into mercury in just a second here. So this is, once again, this is um, soul, spirit, body is another way to look at this. Sulfur, mercury, salt. But this is what it's a reference in the cosmology. So, and of course, all of this stuff, whether it's Freemasonry, whether it's alchemy, whether it's, you know, um, the doctrines of Rosicrucianism, it's always a reference to something grander, something bigger. If you read it literally and try to like mix salt and mercury and sulfur together, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. The Hebrew Bible depicted a three-part world. There's a world that we're on. And by the way, cultures across the world, we just covered this with the Cherokee. We covered this with the Norse, right? There's a world below, there's a world above, and then there's the world that you're on, Earth, right? What's above? That's Mercury. What's Earth? That's the salt, given the symbol of pi. And what's below? It's the Sheol. It's the brimstone. It's the lake of fire. It's the sulfur. The Hebrew Bible depicted a three-part world. Um, with heavens above, earth in the middle, and the underworld below. The sulfur-mercury theory of metals, according to Haben, uh, Habir ibn Hayyan, sure, um, Islamic alchemist. According to the Habinurian version of this theory, of the tria prima, metals form in the earth, through the mixing of as above and so below. <laughs> Metals form in the earth, in the salt, by mixing the above and below, with gold being formed by the most subtle and well-balanced sulfur. What is the symbolism of gold? Light of the sun, light of truth, of course, gold is incorruptible. That's why you can find gold at the bottom of the ocean, because it's incorruptible. Um... This is your rebus. So this is in alchemy, right? It's like the um, 
you know, uh, the forming of mercury. There's lots of things. We don't have time to really go into that. But this is the alchemical rebus, right? And the rebus is the is basically this is the symbol of the great work is what it is. Now we've covered literally every aspect of this if you've been paying attention right most people would see this and be like and just as i did at one point i was like what is this why what does this mean it's like now it's pretty pretty straight and narrow it's pretty straightforward really it's like you've got a, a wing disc that's heading up to heavens it's in, encased by an egg we've covered the egg haven't we i think we just did right there's the circle and the square in the middle of it and then a triangle and then there's the numbers three and four which equal what seven what is that circle also two-dimensionally it looks like a sphere but what is that circle it's a monad right what's the guy standing on draco the dragon because he conquered the dragon what's the rebus holding the compass is in square why because he's squaring heaven and earth circle and square he's uniting the opposites now why mercury why is mercury given the the distinction of um being like spiritual right or like some you know um hermes mercurius trismegistus why is this a representation of eternal life well when you look at the seven the seven uh, celestial bodies in our sky, what do you have? Uh, the opposites, right? What's the opposite of Jupiter? Saturn. What's the opposite of Mars? Venus. What's the opposite of the sun? Moon. Okay, well, there's opposites in all the seven except one. Mercury. What's the opposite of the sun? Moon. What's the opposite of Venus? Mars. What's the opposite of Saturn? Jupiter. What doesn't have an opposite? Mercury. Why is Mercury at the top? Because all the opposites have been unified. All that was recognized in the consciousness of that being that ultimately it all leads back to the oneness and totality of God. And this is what Mercury represents. Do you know how many days Mercury? Once again, what is the only relationship that we have to Mercury? What is Mercury? I don't know. It's a light in the sky. What is that light? I don't know. How far away is it? I don't know. How big is it? I don't know. All the questions are Mercury. What can we do? Map and track the cycle of Mercury, the, 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 the yearly cycle of Mercury. It's 88 days. Mercury's cycle is 88 days. The yearly cycle of Mercury is 88 days. So once again, what is the relationship that we have to Mercury? Well, we can count and map and track its cycles. 88 divided by 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14, and 14 times 2 is 28. 88 divided by 28 is 3.142. It's pi. The same thing that Jesus, the same thing encoded in Jesus in multiple languages, the same thing that the Bible wanted to tell us about in the opening statement said, and he opened his mouth. Well, duh, Jesus is speaking. Then in the math of the line, even tells you about pi. Then here, if you can just do a little bit of math and, and recognize what it's referencing, what is it telling you there, too? Pi. What's 4 plus 3? It's 7. What does that equal in English? Pi. And so this is the, this is the process of the great work. It's the alchemical androgenine. It's what's, it's, you know, whenever you see a marriage, whenever you see the marriage of, uh, when, in Jesus, you know, um, what well, we've covered this, we'll cover it again, but whenever you see that marriage, that's what it's a reference to. It's alchemical. You're made of a, a singular energy and that energy is polar. And what you want to do is unite that energy within you. A true man is a man who recognizes his feminine side. A man who recognizes that he is a man externally, which means he has a role to play as a man in the external physical world. 
He, you're right. He has the body of a man. He has the functions and the members of a man. He, that means he has to play the role of the man in the world. But internally, in his spiritual world, what is he? He has that feminine aspect, which is, means nurturing, compassionate. You know, you know. I don't need to go into this too much, but you know the feminine aspects. It's the, it's the more loving, it's the more nurturing, it's the more caring side. A man cannot negate that. He also has to recognize that that is part of him. This gets all the way back to what? The Adam Cadmon. Which, what, what came out of the Adam Cadmon? Eve. Eve was in Adam. Which means if we want to get back to that perfected source, the first being in which which Jesus Christ is, the Adam Cadmon, the second Adam, is recognized as the fulfillment, the actual fulfillment of the Adam Cadmon, if you will, spiritually, because the, the first Adam was made of the earth, earthly, the second of the spirit. So you get back to that singular body that, that literally encapsulates the entirety of the thing. You have an energy, it's polar, and you want to make it the one celestial beam of faith, as I like to say. Poetry is what I'm is what I'm talking about here. So, the salt of the earth. So let's get back to this, right? So now, geez, now that we know some alchemy, right? Now that we've done our base study in alchemy, we said, okay, well, let's first off, let's look at uh, let's look at this. This is your symbols of alchemy, right? So the first is the salt, which is the symbol of pi, literally the symbol of pi. Okay. So Jesus is saying a lot here, by the way. Um, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? What kind of cryptic crap is this? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Okay, so let's, let's go. Let's talk about salt a little bit here again. So we already know salt is the base matter. You are the base. You're the salt of the earth. You're the base matter of the earth. And that symbol for salt is giving you a reference to pi. Cool. Salt is also Scorpio, Aquarius, Leo, and Taurus. Scorpio, S. A, Aquarius, Leo, L, and T, Taurus, right? This is the four fixed signs. And this is, of course, your Gospels. This is your, you know, this is the four, you know, this is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they're represented as the fixed signs, which means all of this is not only talking about geometry. They're giving you the symbol of pi. We're going to get to more geometry, and it's going to be referencing the cube. It's also telling you where you are, the base matter, that sort of thing. And it's also giving you a reference to the zodiac. All of this in one word. Salt has a structure of the cube. Salt is its structure is a cube, is cubic. Okay? So, and we know that the cube is a representation, a six around one, it's a representation of what? You in material world. <laughs> it's up, down, left, right, and forward, and reverse. It's literally the X, Y, Z coordinates, right? As we know, we've covered this many, many times. But it matters here because Jesus is saying, you are the cube of the earth. You're the base matter of the earth, right? This cube, okay, up, down, left, right, forward, and reverse, this cube is also recognized in Revelation, Right? As the city of God. The city of God is a cube. Even measured with cubits. And the city lieth four square. What's a square? One, two, three, four. And the length is as large as the breadth. That's a cube. And he measured the city with a reed, 12,000 furlongs. Somebody asked me about, I think it was um, 
Gwen asked me about the 12,000 furlongs and all of that. And at some point, I'll have to get into that. It's a lot of math, though. And I lose people with the math, so I'm trying to do less of it. Uh, and the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. It's an equality. It's a square. I mean, it's cube. And he measured the wall thereof, 144 cubits. Get to that. Um, according to the measure of a man, that is, comma, of the angel, they're measuring the city. This is what it says in Revelation. They're measuring the city where God lives. It's a cube. And then they're saying the measure of that city is of a man of the angel, which is, of course, angle of the angle, by the way. But So they're equating you to the city of God, equating you to an angel, and saying that the measurement of the city of God is the, is, can be measured of a man according to the measure of a man. <sighs> now let's go back to this. Salt of the earth. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? Okay. The city of God is a cube. You're measured off it. Where is this city? Where is Jesus right now? He t they tell you the first thing. He went up to the mountain. He's in the high place. And he's speaking to the multitudes. He's up at Polaris. Pole means city. Polis means city. And this is exactly what the Axis Mundi is talking about. The Axis Mundi, the center pole of the earth that leads right up to the pole star, is reflective of the center of you. Because you are a reflection of the entire thing. You are a reflection of God's entire cosmos. He made right in a microcosm of the man. And so God's saying... Just as the Gnostics say, oh man, know thyself and you should know the universe of God. Oh man, measure yourself a cubit, which is on your arm. This is a cubit. And you shall know the city of God. Where's the city of God? Where does God live? Well, Jesus is like, ah, he lives in the pole star. And where is this all? Where is this all actually happening? Within you. In astronomy, the axis mundi is the Latin term for the axis of the Earth between the celestial poles. In, in a geocentric coordinate system, this is the axis of the rotation of the celestial sphere. So everything revolves. In other words, this is symbolic of everything revolving around the center, right? Now, when you go out into your world and you experience the cosmos, what is your experience? God is whose center everywhere and circumference nowhere. God is whose center everywhere and circumference nowhere. Is everything revolving around you? So, let's go back here and let's try to make sense of this. You are the cube of the earth. You're the ba you you are the base matter of this of the of this of this creation, right? That's that's right. But if the salt, but if that body which encases the eternal God has lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? What does savor mean? Savor means to taste good food or drink and enjoy it completely. Savor means to save your verb, savior, savor. Very close to savior, right, by the way. To savor something means to enjoy it completely. So if you said you are the cube of the earth, you are the city of God of the earth. But if that city of God has lost his ability to enjoy it completely, where, 
where are we going to put that salt? If you've lost the ability to enjoy this life completely, it is there thenceforth good for nothing. But to be cast out, trodden underfoot of men, it's a wasted life. Why do you think the symbol of Pi, which is found within Shaddai, Elohim, Jesus Christ in Greek, Jesus Christ in English, the number seven, Why do you think the salt of the earth was given the geometric distinction and alchemy of the symbol of pi? Because they're trying to say, guess where God is? And if you don't recognize that, if you don't recognize that, that is a wasted life. You might as well just throw it under and let people walk all over it. Because the next sentence says this, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. The city that is set on the hill cannot be hid. You can't hide the pole star. You can't hide the light of God. It's always going to show itself. You can ignore it. But eventually it's going to show up kind of thing, right? So don't waste this life. Savor this life. And if you don't, what a waste. You must have just let it go under people's feet and just kick all over it. Kick up the dust. Oh. Okay, does everybody get that? So that's hell. That's fire and brimstone. That's sulfur. That's your salt. That's your mercury. That's your alchemical triune that makes up the whole cosmos. Then it goes on to say, Matthew 5, 31, It hath been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, in case she, unless she's out like, you know, throwing her junk around, that kind of thing. Terrible way to say that, but you know what I mean. Saving for the cause of fornication causeth her to commit adultery. Unless you have good reason, you're, it's like, it's, uh, it's, I think I got a way to say this. Yeah, this was a this was really really easy way to say this really. Because the divorce is invalid, you said yes to this person. You gave your spirit, your life and everything like that. And then because well, it just didn't work out for you, that's your thing, that's your thing. You just abandon all of that. You abandon the oath you took. You abandon the fact that you stood up in front of everybody and said, "Oh, I'm going to give in front of God Almighty." He's like, "Yes, I'll take you and you'll take me and we're going to do this thing forever." And then you know, oh, things didn't go just as well as you wanted, that sort of thing, and next thing you know, you divorce her, right? It's saying that 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 thing that's sacred called marriage, don't pervert it. Keep it pure, you know? Because the divorce is invalid, the man is guilty of causing his wife to commit adultery when she remarries another man. It's not, we're, you know, don't take this so literally, but what it's trying to do is make the focus on, look, when you give yourself to somebody, when you give yourself to somebody, when you say yes, make it be, be yes, right? False divorces, no matter how legal the religious leaders say they are, lead to more adultery. When you are going to, you know, and I, I know this for a fact, like I almost said yes to somebody I shouldn't have said yes to. Why? Because I didn't have faith that the right woman was out there for me. I didn't even have faith in love. I was like, ah, she's not out there. From Jesus' view, false divorces, no matter how legal uh, the religious leaders say they are, lead to more adultery. 
Again, ye have heard that it said, Be said of old time, thou shalt not forswear thyself. What does forswear mean? Agree to give up or do without. Again, you have heard that if it hath been said that of old time, thou shalt not agree to give up thyself, <laughs> but shall perform unto the Lord thine oaths. What, what work are you doing down here? What are you here to do? The Lord's work, the great, the great work of alchemy, the transubstantiation of the soul. In other words, keep your eyes on that. Swear to nothing. You know, you know swear to nothing. You know, that sort of thing. Swear not at all. Keep your eyes focused on that. And be like, well, I'm going to do this over here and that sort of thing. No, neither by heaven for it is God's throne. Where's God's throne? You're going to inherit the earth. Where's the city of God? You. Where's the city that's on a hill? You. Giving you all the math, all the geometry, all the language to solidify this notion. Nor by earth for it is his footstool. This is, this is the earth is his footstool. See this? <clears throat> Good question. There's three persons of the Trinity. There's God is the first person, Jesus is the second person, and the Holy Ghost is the third person. Why is the person always symbolized as a dove? Maybe there's a deeper meaning to that stuff. <laughs> anyway, uh, the earth is his footstool. It's, it's almost like the earth is flat and four-cornered. So, um, um, neither, so uh, don't swear by uh, Jerusalem, heaven, God's throne, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Jerusalem means the city of peace, by the way. Salem means peace. And Juru means city of, city of peace. So look how many times they're mentioning the city of peace, city of God, city of peace, Jerusalem, the city of the great king, the pole star, Polaris, the polis, God's throne. What's God's throne? Where does he sit? In the top. Where? What's in the center of heaven? Polaris. Neither by heaven. Don't swear by that. God's throne. It's up there. Nor by the, nor by the earth. And what? what is the earth? Right? It's centered with the pole star. Neither by the city of peace, which is what within you and what's everything revolving around you, and the city of the great king. Where does Jesus live? In heaven. And where is that? In you. What's the problem, everybody? Neither shalt thou swear by thy head. What's your head? It's your Aries. It's your lamb. It's your ram. Because thou canst make one hair white or black. You can't do anything without God. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. Be honest. Be genuine. When you speak, speak truth. Don't be deceiving. When you give your heart to, when you decide to give your heart to a woman and, and do, then, then decide that and make it be a yea. And make sure that when you say yeah, that you want to actually say yeah to the person. I didn't want to say yeah to my last, last relationship, but I was like, well, society, and I just should, and because of this, why? You weren't living in truth. You weren't in love. You weren't following your heart. If you would have said yeah, you would have ended up saying no. Because inside, I was actually saying no. And that would, you know. It's really simple. Yay, yay. No, no. You've also heard it said an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Ah, what this person's going to do. Oh, if he screwed me over, I'm going to take what he screwed, right? Or I'm going to take what he did. He took my tooth, I'm going to take his tooth. But Jesus says that ye resist not evil. What? Wait, wait, what, Jesus? Je Jesus is saying, welcome evil. What? Is, is, is Jesus being a Christ cuck again? This is your Christ cuck discourse, right? No, let's actually hear what Jesus is saying. 
But I say unto you that ye resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, does this mean that Jesus is saying, oh, well, if somebody's raping grandmother, just turn the other cheek and just let it happen? No. Once again, context, context, context. When Jesus walked in with a whip and was turning over tables and whipping people, was he turning the other cheek? No, obviously not. So what does he mean here? What does he say, resist not evil? We actually talked about this when uh, Dr. Um, Dr. J over in Minnesota there, he had a question uh, about this actually, um, and we're going to cover this right now. <sighs> resist not evil. What? So we're just supposed to welcome evil. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. Did When Jesus was tempted by the devil, right? The devil came along and he's like, hey man, come up north with me and I'll show you everything. And you can have it all and then I'll tempt you a bunch of times. Did Jesus there, did he say, no, I'm not going with you? No, he didn't. No. He's like, sure, I'll go with you. He was led up of the spirit by the devil. Well, if he could say no to him up there, he could have said no to him at the bottom of the mountain. Why didn't he say no to him then? Because Jesus had to go walking with the devil. That's why. Why? Why did Jesus even bother walking with the devil? Because Jesus is the exemplar and the example of what? The hero's journey. What is the hero's journey? It is a great circle. <laughs> and it's where you start out in your spiritual quest and you don't know anything. And you are a lost little sheep, woo, walking around, getting your head full of all sorts of nonsense like so many people are, like I had for a while in my life and so many people are now. Getting your head just filled with nonsense, right? And then you go into the world and guess what? A lot of people, just as when they go undergo some sort of awakening or that sort of thing, right? You go into a world where you see a whole shitload of evil, right? You get to see... Endless amounts of deceptions, lies, half-truths, untruths, deceivers, you know, tempters, all this sort of thing. Your eyes get opened up into a world in which you're like, oh my God, what the heck? I've been lied to about everything. Our history, where we are, this thing, right? Who we are, the whole bit. And you have to go into, you have to start out in your journey, right? And one place you're going to go in your journey, if your spiritual quest is com will, will end up being complete, is you will end up going into a world of hell, darkness, evil, sickness, all the sorts of things, pain, the torment, the torture, profanity, nausea, suffering, perversion, calamity, right? All of that sort of thing. And you have to see it. There's You cannot be down here and be like, well, I'm just going to keep away from that. I'm just going to let that exist over here and ignore and live in some blissful ignorance as if this doesn't exist. It don't work that way. Did Jesus do that? No, he went right up with the devil. He wasn't scared. Why do you have to go into the darkness? Because when you recognize how dark things are, right? As I've said before, you'll go down there. And you'll be like, oh my God, this is just dark. It just keeps going and going. It's so dark. Well, if you actually just keep going, what you'll find out is there's a bottom to that darkness. There's a limit to it. You'll also know that that's not in control down here. If your spiritual quest is genuine, honest, 
you'll go. You won't resist evil. You'll be like, what you got, bitch? What you got? Come here. You'll draw that into your world just so you can see it, know it, know your enemy kind of thing, and then say, get thee hence, Satan. You will not know how bright that light can be unless you actually see how dark it can be down here. This is what the this is what the hero's journey is all about. You can't come up and finish. You have to start at the top, right? Go down into that darkness, go through it, and come out to the other side and be like, even after, just as we read from Pike last last week, just as we read from Pike, the Mason knows that even after all the pain and all the suffering down here, life is a blessing. You have to go into that darkness, resist not the evil, and still recognize that God is great. And talk to my my friend, the doctor over there in Minnesota. This is what he was saying. He's like, I'm surrounded by all these Christians and they're living this life of ignorant bliss. And they're just like, I'm getting to heaven because I said the things and I went to the church and I read the things. And then the guy told me that I believe this and then I believe that. And, oh, I don't have to pay attention to anything that's going on over here because, you know, I, I'm just going to live and I'm already. Nope. That's not what Jesus says. Resist not evil because you got to know it. The sheep up there, he resisted the evil. The sheep down there saw the evil. Saw it, looked at it right in its eyes. It was like, here, do this and tend me here, blah, 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 blah. And then he's like, no. And then guess what? Then what happened to Satan? What happened in the story of Jesus? Satan's gone. And guess what happened? Then the angels ministered upon him. Jesus is setting the example, you have to do the same thing. Now, when you go into that darkness, as we always say, you have to know it exists. You have to know how it functions. You have to know that it's there because you also have to know when to recognize it. But I also say, does Jesus say, go roll around in it? No. Does Jesus say, oh, encompass it in your being? No. He says, don't resist it because you got to know it. You have to know evil. In order to, in order to defeat your enemy in this sense, you got to know who your enemy is. Okay? <clears throat> it's also forgiveness, too. That's beyond that. I just wanted to mention that. But then it says in Matthew 5.40, And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat. Listen to this. Is this more Christ-cucking? More Christ-cucking is going on. Oh, my God. Christ is such a cuck. He's just going to, somebody's going to like try to take his stuff and then Jesus is going to be like, just give him everything. No, no, that's not what Christ is saying at all. And if any man will sue thee at the law, if any man will sue thee at the law and take away your coat, let him have thy cloak also. You know what a cloak is, right? You put long, you know, robe kind of thing on. Wow, Jesus, you're a total pansy. What, what are you doing? So if somebody comes to sue you and, and sues you for your stuff, give them the rest of the stuff too? Why is Jesus saying this? Why is Jesus saying this? Because what happens, number one, what, what he's showing is that don't live a material life. I, to, I told this to, once again, uh, doctor, doctor over in Minnesota there. Um... I told him, I was like, you know, there were several times in my life I had like uh, CD collections and like book collections. And at one point in my life I had like 
like all this best guitar gear that I'd like collected over the years, right? Like I had the pedal board and I had like all the great pedals and, you know, I had this Epiphone Sheridan 2 and this like $1,200 amp and I had all the cables and stuff like that. I had like literally, you know, perfected my rig, right? As a guitar player who's playing in bands and stuff like that for years, perfected my rig. You know, guitar players, they end up, you know, they'll have guitar collections and stuff like that, right? And I, and I remember I told him, I said, at one point I had, I had literally had everything that I had wanted out of guitars. Like, this is the best setup. I love this. And at one point I just decided I'm just going to sell it all. Literally everything that I'd wanted that I, for years, I was like, I'm just going to get rid of it. And I did it. Why did I do that at the time? Well, I'll tell you why I did it at the time. I was undergoing a spiritual transformation, a long one, of course. But at the time I was like, I wanted to challenge myself and say, can I still be who I am without these things that I have decided that, ha that have made up the image of who Marty Leeds is? Can I, can I live without these things? Can I just take these things and be like, I am a guitar player. I'm a musician. You know, I've write, I've written songs. I record and stuff like that. Can I still be the person that I want to be and still love myself and that sort of stuff? If I get rid of this stuff, if I say, I'm not my things, I'm not my materiality. It turned out it was one of the best things I ever did in my entire life. Because I said, because at the time I was like, no, I want to be able to say, hey, I'm a songwriter. If I can write a song, that means I need to pick up that shitty old black acoustic that I have and do everything on that. And after doing that, that's when I actually started getting into the process of writing songs on the regular again. So, if somebody goes to sue you, right? And said, I'm going to take every, I'm going to take all your, I'm going to take your two guitars, Marty. And then I'm going to have power over you. What kind of power over you do they, they have? You say, oh, yeah, you're going to take those? Here, take this one, too. Here, take this. Take, oh, you want, here, let me, here, let me take my Bible, too. Now what power do they have? I'm going to take everything you have. Take it. Oh, uh, no power. None. You tr another man try to have power over you. And in order to show your strength, you said, I'm not my materiality. You have nothing over me because why? Just as Jesus said in the last chapter, I live and sustain off every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I don't live and sustain myself off a $230 acoustic. Then he says this, walk in another man's shoes. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him in twain. Twain means two. Walk in another man's shoes. He walked, he, think about this. Jesus walked in the shoes of the devil in this metaphor. Give to him that asketh thee and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Have a life of giving. Be char faith, hope, and charity, right? What is charity? Constantly giving, right? Ye have heard that it should be said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But Jesus says, No, you don't hate your enemy, you love your enemy. Bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Why? Why are you praying? Number one, 
we already know who the judge is. They're going to have to do all of that stuff, all the cursing that they're doing to you, all the hate that they're doing to you, all the, you know, uh, that the, they're persecuting you. They're going to have to answer to the being that created everything. Pray for them. Because who can dole out the greatest judgment? Okay. So if, if you know you're living in truth, you know you are the salt of the earth, right? You know you're going through that purification process. And as Jesus is saying, you're going to be persecuted from that. You see these persecutors and what, what, once again, if you fight them and stuff like that, it's like, it's almost like you're on their level. You're, you're not, you're saying, no, I'm not going to roll around in the mud like that. Once again, it takes the power away from them. This is temporary. Eternal life is eternal. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Why are we loving our enemies? Why is it necessary that we love our enemies? Because even our enemies have the spark of God within them, as Jesus is going to reiterate. Now, they may be screwing up their spiritual quest down here. Yep. Right? They may be, you know, they, you know, they may be digging themselves a hole that they may not get out of for, you know, a thousand lifetimes or whatever, that sort of thing. Right? They may be pieces of shit. Okay, cool. But guess what they still have? The spark of God within them. And God is going to deal with whatever they have done, whatever they thought in that vessel, whatever action they took, God is going to deal with all of it. And guess where God, God even made a special place, a lake of fire, in which all of these jack wagons will go into and purified. And then they'll have to try this thing again. You cannot hate another person because when you get to the core of what's in that person, that's the Lord. And that Lord is directly connected to God. And if you hate that, then what are you hating? What are you hating? That's why he says, don't hate your enemies. Does that mean that just let your enemies roll right over you? No. Obviously, what Jesus is saying here is incredibly nuanced, needs to be taken in context with lots of other things, and the actual terms and things like that that are, you know, in the Bible, such as Lord God, need to be understood in order for you to understand, you know, the deeper context of what Jesus is saying. Once again, you can't even understand that unless, you, unless you've studied alchemy. There's no way. Like, I never understood it for years, and then all of a sudden, you study alchemy, and it's like, oh, that makes sense, you know? That's why you can't hate your enemies. Doesn't mean you can't call them out, right? I mean, Jesus, Jesus even said, you know, do not call them empty-headed or do not hate without cause. That sort of thing, right? Calling them out, that is what I mean. So let's go back here and make sure I did not miss anything. Yes, persecute you. All right, we're, we're coming clean. We're getting to the end here. So, and this is what he says, right? Because Just as I just said, everybody has that spark of God within them. And everybody will be judged by God. And that's exactly what the next verse is. That ye may be children of your Father, which is in heaven. You're all children of your Father. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and the good. <laughs> Sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. But you, you have to be better than your average person. You, Christ is commanding you to love beyond just your little circle. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have you? Oh, I love my mom because my mom loves me. Oh, God, thanks. No, that's good. Great. Love your mother, love your father, love everyone around you. But that's what the publicans do. You know what a publican is, right? A pub, like somebody that goes to, you know, like the 
public, right? The people of the public. That's why it's called a pub, right? The public go to the pub. Do the the regular average normie Joe? They do that. I love my mother. My mother loves me. That sort of thing. No, you got to do better than that. You got to love. You got to. You got to that that circle of compassion and love can't just be your nice little unit here. It's got to go. And if you salute your brethren only, oh, this is my brother. I salute you. You're what you do. What do ye more than others? Is what it asked. Do not even the publicans so. The, the, the normies, they're doing the same thing. You have to be better than that. You have to take that circle of love and compassion and widen it out where? To the edge of the cosmos. Then it says this. Once again, going back to the fact that this whole thing, every word from Jesus' mouth is talking about purification. It ends with this. It says, Matthew 5, 48, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven, which is in heaven is perfect. <clears throat> That's what they're, what he's trying to, you know, he's trying to tell you. Find your perfection here. Purify yourself here. As, as, you know, just as your father is in heaven. Um, I just want to mention this, um, since we talked a lot about Pi and that sort of thing in the names of God, this last, uh, this is the only other gematria I'm going to do. We started with some gematria, I'm going to end with it. But be therefore perfect, even as your father, which is in heaven, is perfect. This is what, this is in septenary gematria, which encodes Pi. Um, well, the first two are seven. That's interesting. The last one's seven. Perfect, three, four, seven. This equals um, 271 is the number, right? So be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. This equals 271. Now, this little... God, where do I want to start here? Okay, well, number one, there's no eight in English gematria, right? So if like you wanted to, if you wanted to make a number like 2.718, you would have to uh, approximate it. Just like if you were to, you know, pi is not 3.14, right? It's 3.14159265358979333, blah, 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 blah. But you still approximate that number. And even those numbers used in everyday, especially if it's a transcendental number or an infinite number, when you use that number in everyday situations, you approximate it, okay? That's just what you do in math. There's no question about that. It's insane that there's people like Simon Dan that are considering themselves scientists and don't understand such a freaking basic. But what are you going to do? Love them, I guess, right? Um, so E, the, the mathematical constant of E, which is it's actually, if you look on a scientific calculator, it's literally right by pi. So if you pick up a scientific calculator, there'll be two mathematical constants on there. Chances are, more than likely, you know, with Texas Instruments kind of stuff. You're going to have pi and then E, and then they're going to be right next to each other. Well, E is the mathematical constant of 2.718. And what E is, what E represents, is a natural function of growth. That's what E represents. So E is 2.718. It's a natural, inherent function of, of growth. Of, of, um, yeah, I guess I'll just say that. So when you see 271 represented as 2.718, right? Using the, uh, so this is um, E in the Greek name of Christ. The mathematical constant of E, once again, pi is found in this name of God too, in Christ. Um, the mathematical constant of E may be found within the Greek name 
Kyrios Jesus Christos by util utilizing basic mirroring and arithmetical functions. The number E, also known as Euler's number, is a mathematical constant approximately equal to 2.718 and is a natural exponential function innate within processes of growth. So whenever you, like, um, if you were to accrue interest in a bank, right, you could use E as a, as a measure to how this would naturally grow. Just like pi, E is an irrational number and cannot be reduced to a simple fraction. In other words, you have to approximate E. So, and, and we are in this last verse. Uh, e is used heavily in calculus, areas of finance, and is a key number used in a probability theory. E, like pi, is considered to be one of the most important constants in mathematics. So the verse starts with pi, a reference to pi directly, then even encodes the mathematics of pi, then fin which is one of the most important mathematical constants in the entire study of math. Then this entire verse ends with what? The other most important constant in mathematics, E. Pi and E is basically what bookends this verse, this chapter. Pi and E are often situated next to one another on scientific calculators. In Greek gematria, Kyrios Jesus Christos, his great and holy name sums to 3,168. Well, the mirror of 3,168 is 8613, and dividing um, 8,613 divided by 3168, so 8613 divided by 3168 is exactly 2.718, or E. So the very mathematical constant that is being referenced in this verse is found... Actually, let me say this again. Let me correct myself. <laughs> the two mathematical constants which are being directly referenced in this chapter are both encoded in the Greek name of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and that's going to do it. Thank you guys so much. I love my tribe. I really appreciate everybody that's uh, been here and watching and all of that good stuff. I really appreciate each and every one of you. Jennifer, could you send me some super chats, please, my love? Uh, where do I go? Telegram. Telegram? Yes, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Anyway, I love my tribe. Thank you guys so much. You guys are... What's that? Oh, that's all right. You guys are good bards. That's what I want to tell you. I really thank you. Um, I want to let you guys know the Milkman of the Nort is being sent out um, th this next week. Marty, uh, Mr. Marty Helm, thank you so much for um, supporting this. Really appreciate it. We will be sending uh, the Milkman of the Nort out this week. Ange, you will be getting a check for exactly $509.02. So I will be sending out that out this week. And then also I want to let, uh, mention Raquel Higgins you had, if you're listening, you had um, a Bible package, and we'll be sending that out this week, too. So I appreciate that. So thank you for that. i got to get back here. Where am I? My Lord, I don't know where I am. There I am. Okay, cool. Sorry. Um, upcoming live streams, let you guys know. So if anybody has any questions or anything like that or any Super Chats, I'll read those now. Just to let you guys know, the upcoming live streams that I'm working on, um, obviously we'll do the next chapter. We'll finish up Matthew. That We'll be working on that for probably, you know, Hopefully the rest of the year, um, the we're going to do de-occulting the movie The Sword and the Stone. I was thinking about doing that next week. Maybe we'll do Matthew 6 because it's more Jesus speaking, I believe. 
Um, but I really want to do Deoculting the Sword and the Stone, The Spiritual Meaning of the Hamsa, which is another one I'm working on, uh, Smorgasbord of Gems, just a whole bunch of um, mathematical gems and things like that that um, we're going to do in one live stream and just look at them and that sort of thing. So, and that should be good. Uh, my own Kabbalistic revelations, Norse mythology, paganism, and the Odinic rites. I'd like to revisit the, the, the Norse stuff and get really into that. The alchemical hand of the mysteries, the number symbolism of Buddhism, uh, the riddle is the middle, rational answers. These are all things I'm working on. Uh, the trinity and the power of three, the universe in a nutshell, the universe in a pomegranate, the universe is one song, Prisca Theologia and the chief musician, and understanding monotheism. So those are all things that I'm working on. And I also want to say thank you to everybody that supported last week. Agape, Ruth Scott, Magical Steven, Daniel Hager, J.M. Grassi, Gareth Turner, Auntie Jake, Alicia Crawford, John Vina, The Truth Seeker, Virginia Murray, Javier Mujica, uh, Carrie Musgrave, Gracefully Insane, Adam Lublina, Amor, Gnostic Revelation Mysteries, Russell, thank you, Andrew Masonette, Matthew, thank you so much. Uh, Mark Brotherson, Blair Murphy, Rachel, uh, Raquel, excuse me, Higgins, Small Axe, NGA, Rachel Carpenter, Stella and Krupa, and all the members of the Academy. Well, it is up and running. Thank you so much. Um, uh, we are on the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac app. That is uh, on the site. You can get that. And then we are also on, thanks to Content Safe for getting on BitChute and Rumble, and hopefully they'll get on Odyssey here pretty soon. So thanks for that. Um, we have some tithing. Let's read these. Oh, where is it? Where do I go now? Show and finder. No, it's a, yeah, I'm just, I don't know where I am, that's all. I'm a little lost here. Oh, please give me one second. Thank you for, here we go. Oh, there it is. Okay, let's do this. Good morning, brother man. Good morning, everyone. It's a beautiful day, Mark Brotherson says. Thank you so much, Mr. Brotherson. Uh, my lord, I gotta get these here. Here we go. Let's do this. Let's do this. Sorry. There we go. Mark Brotherson, thank you so much. Good morning, brother man. Good morning, everyone. It's a beautiful day. Thank you. Uh, Eric C, 2112. Glory be, amen. Like those numbers, Mark Hearts. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Eric C. What do we have here? Observer, $20. You are amazing. You are amazing. Thank you so much, Mr. Observer. Uh, happy rising, my friends. Much love as always. Jeremy Hines, thank you so much. If you guys do have any questions and you want to, Angie A received a tip. Thank you so much. I will figure out a way to get these on the screen. 3140, Andrew Masonette, here's a piece of pie for you, Marty. Thank you so much. God bless you. Um, Alicia Crawford, $50. Thank you. Uh, once again, if you guys have any questions, I would be, thank you, Marty and Jennifer. You guys are awesome. 5530, thank you so much. Um, exceedingly glad for this village. Thanks for everything and God bless. Ben and Stella, God bless you. Thank you so much. Gen X rated, tipped $10. God bless you. Uh, Polymathing, great name. Great name, Mr. Polymathing. Uh, let's see, what do we got here? Polymathing. Longtime student of this knowledge, but first time catching you live, Mr. Leeds. Thank you for all your works and efforts over the years. You are welcome. I appreciate it. Auntie Jake, 3360, God bless you. God bless you. Uh, thank you so much. We're looking forward to seeing you, Auntie Jake, again. Humbled with by spirit. So blessed to hear your message today, Marty. Much love. Fine Proverbs 1618. Be mustard. God bless you. Thank you so much. Um, listen, Perspective 96. Here's to God talking, taking the helm of the ship, Bobby 96 says. 
Thank you, Marty and Jen, for all you're doing. Much love, your brother, Bobby96. He doesn't even hate me calling him Bobby96. I thought I was going to get my nose punched next time I saw him. Horace, I see you. Mr. Marty Hum received $5. Thank you so much. And then, what is it? Rachel Carpenter, God bless you. Thank you once again. Tipped 20. And then, what do we got? Small Axe, thanks again. Love the scriptural analysis services. Veda says, thank you so much, too. I don't think, um, I think I owe her like probably maybe a buck today or something like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm requiring you to keep score because otherwise I'll, I'll, uh, I'll miss. So, okay. Um, let me get back to you here and just, I was Bobby Fears. Okay. That's going to do it for me, guys. Thank you so much for all of your love and support and attention and, uh, anybody that shares the videos and that sort of thing. I really appreciate it. Um, I don't know what's happening here to my, oh, there it is. Okay. I uh, really appreciate everybody. Nice preaching. Thank you very much. Okay, that's going to do it for me. Uh, guys, uh, where am I? Uh, if you'd like to support the work, go on over to GnosticAcademy.org. You can become a member for uh, three months or quarterly, if you'd like. Um, and that's going to do it for me. Next week, I think we'll do Matthew 6. Um, if not, we'll do Deoculting the Sword of the Stone, and that'll be really good. Um, it's going to be really good. So, may you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. Um, today we're going to listen to a song by Ryan Adams. That's right. It's called, it's uh, Ryan Adams, not Brian Adams. And it is a song called At Home with the Animals. And it is a really beautiful song. So thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you for spending your Sunday with me. Um, I really appreciate it. And we'll, we'll uh, hopefully see you guys next Sunday, okay? So uh, if you get a chance, stop on over. We do, uh, just to let you guys know. Oh, I want to say a few more things here quick. Um, thank you to... I don't know who sent this, so if you did send this and you're watching, please let me know, because I don't know who this is. Righteous Cacao, thank you so much, from Vista, California, and they sent over some beautiful chocolates, cacao. So, I don't know, like eight, ten bars or something like that. So we will do, uh, dig into these. Vegan, gluten-free, and no refined sugar. Sounds boring. Sounds, no, I'm just kidding. Sounds great. So thank you so much for this. Thank you, appreciate that. And then I want to let you guys know, we, are, um, we do have... Um, we're, I'm going to do a package of hardcover books. So all the hardcover books um, in a package, I think signed is what I'm going to do. So they take a while to print and produce and then they'd have to ship to me and then I'd have to ship to you. So it's a whole process. Just so you guys know, just because I'm, you know, do DIY publishing, so there's limitations. That's just is what it is. So we're going to do a, a package of the books, and they really turned out well in hardcover. It just takes forever to get them approved and everything like that. You have to change the art and all that other stuff. So we just got these right before we left for, our, uh, for Missouri. And so I'm going to do a package of those, like signed, that sort of thing. And we've also got a few other things in the works, so... Um, all right, that's going to do it for me, guys. Thank you so much, and uh, let's listen to some Ryan Adams, okay? Have a wonderful Sunday, all right? As always, many blessings and much love to all. While you were reading your black Bible in the sun I was half drunk out the window of a moving city bus Wilder than the devil, like a tiger in the brush Louder than an atom bomb that only you could hush Spinning like the earth and moon, but never really touched Along the ways I wanted to be loved You were not enough 
While your head was bowed and hands praying to God I was swinging from the chandeliers Like some endangered animal Somewhere in New Orleans on the run Like I just won the lottery With God knows what inside of me Hair a mess and shoelaces undone Of all the ways I wanted you You are not the one While they were teaching you how Moses split the sea Was in an airplane bathroom doing speedballs off the sink High as any angel moving at the speed of sound Someplace over Germany and moving through the clouds Winking back at stewardesses plying me with ale Big hooped golden earrings staying at the same hotel Of the ways I wanted you to hold me I could not be held While you were waiting for the doctor in the chair I was stone riding the cyclone at Thonslow County Fair The stars above us sparkled like they didn't pay the bill Smokes behind the haunted house Chugging stolen beers Cotton candy kisses underneath the Ferris wheel Of all the ways you wanted me to feel I could never heal While you were waiting in the depot for the train I was asleep on stolen cargo in the back of someone's plane Halfway back to Florida from Cuba in the rain Low enough to feel the water from the spray and the waves Underneath the radar hauling crates of pure cocaine Hungover and laughing high above the Everglades Of all the ways I wanted to be tame I was just insane While you were waiting in the lobby for your man I was working at the circus as a garbage man Remembering that winter you were in a long black coat Now I'm at home with the animals, knife at my own throat We hear the bells of freedom, but the chains all just say no If I was the Titanic, you were pink clouds and blue smoke Rising over Hemingway in an old man's fishing boat Of all the things I wanted you to be Of all the things I wish that you were now you were not around You 